pretty fun uh we're in ryan corcoran's apartment on the 15th floor mm. the sun has just come over the horizon my name is steve haynes charlie hugo ryan corcoran Nathan Fisher. boom we also have our executive producer he's very reluctant to use his beautiful voice god uh close he wants oh close. He, yeah okay get less but he's, he's not yeah he's not afraid to use his hands and yeah tell you tell you where to get, get on the mic in there bud yeah uh, man, thanks for listening. We're excited to be here. And uh, this, this morning's uh, conversation is on friendship. Mm. And uh, what does it mean to be friends? And how do, you, how do you get a friendship that lasts the years and actually helps versus uh, your hangout buddies? And for some reason, you don't actually know much about the other person. How does that happen? Let's not do that. But friendship. Uh, and we're friends. We've been friends for a while. Mm. We have been. <laughs> we didn't start out friends. I would disagree with that assertion. I'm I think, not surprised. I think we wanted to be friends with Steve right away, and then it, he was just resistant <clears> to our love. <laughs> so here's the honest answer. I come to the table for the first time, and Steve is on stage singing, and he's really good. The table's and that was, a church service. Yeah, the table's a church service. And Steve's a very, very, very good singer. And... That was all it took for me to want to be friends with Steve. Hmm. Is, here's a guy who can really do something with his body. And I was like, I want to be near him. And that's it. Uh, that's and I, I wouldn't go, aw, at that, because the, the real honest-to-goodness truth is like, I just want to surround my, myself with people who totally. can do cool yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and man... Am I glad that I did because you've done so much for me and that will be maybe explored on another. Well, maybe even this one. Yeah, maybe it was fun. I, I definitely felt accepted by the two of you way before normal people accept another human <laughs> being. <laughs> Quick love. True yeah. story. My first ever conversation with Steve Haynes was him teaching me how to gas a child, like how to, how to remove the gas from them by rubbing their legs. I think, uh, Tyson, uh, if you're listening to this in the future, he's talking about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you pump the legs. You pump the legs. Pump the legs. <laughs> Didn't know that was a thing you could do. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I'm learning a lot already. If you're ever in a situation, you know, infant to about 18 months. They're crying. Just try pumping the legs. Pumping the legs. Didn't know that. When uh, when we were getting to know each other, this was <laughs> five years ago, six years ago. I don't Something know. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe six years ago. There was this sense of uh, I was a pastor, and you guys were complete reprobates. I don't know mm. if you felt that about yourself, we but I felt that about you. did not realize you thought that was. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what reprobate is, but I'm pretty sure that I felt that way about you. <laughs> it doesn't sound good, though. <laughs> well, we, I mean, I think in the context of, like, after we'd started discussing, like, what the ideas we had about church, like, we were obvious that we needed to open your mind a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and it was obvious that I needed to n narrow your focus. <laughs> This is a classic who is saving whom <laughs> scenario. Absolutely. 
So uh, the way I remember the story is we decided to do a Bible study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three of us, plus Bachman sometimes, or Chuck came every once in a while. Okay, so here we go. We're starting in Genesis because that's where you start. And mm-hmm. uh, we really got tripped up on the violence in the Old Testament. That got really confusing. Um, and I remember the, these meetings, these Bible studies, I think they were like on a Tuesday night every other week. They became like really scary for me because of how uh, vulnerable you all do life. And you would just talk about like what was going wrong and what, um, what things inside of you you would like to work on. And they were like things I would never say out loud. Mm. And so I think I just started to not even really want to be around. And so I would cancel, you know, last minute. Oh, I got, I'm too busy. You remember that? I don't even actually remember that, but I, mostly just because like, I think one of the aspects of whenever we gathered, it was like, whoever is here is fully present. Yeah, absolutely. And like the excuses to gather would be maybe what we were pushing for was like to have more opportunities to have those kind of conversations. I don't really remember it either. I remember very vaguely, and we were talking about this before we started the show, uh, that Ryan and I pursued you in a way that would be presumably predatory (laughs) in retrospect. At the time, it didn't make sense, but like the signals in retrospect are fairly clear that you did not want to spend time with us. You you just couldn't do it. Uh, And Ryan and I were just oblivious to that fact uh, of what you were trying to tell us in sort of your passive pastor way. Uh, And then there was that fateful night where you said you canceled on us, and apparently, and I remember this very, very vaguely, uh, you canceled, and Ryan and I had a conversation about basically laying siege to your house and Mm -hmm. sitting in the porch, whether you came out or not. And then called me back and told me that, and I got off the phone, and I think I looked at, at Heidi, and I just went, ah, they're coming anyway. <laughs> can't get out of this one. <laughs> and so that night, we sat down on the porch, and I, you know, we had our Bibles, and about to start, and I think I said something along the lines of, hey, if I seem off tonight, uh, it's not you, it's me. I hate my life and my family and my work, and I hate myself, and I hate, you know, everything about everything except you guys love you guys so if i'm off it's me and let's let's dive into genesis yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) and that's when i remember i think charlie you looked at ryan and said do we tell him Mm. and it was like time stood still for me because it was like wait a second what's going on Mm. because we had already been discussing a plan for you (laughs) yeah yeah we were talking before about tough love um, as it relates to this. And I think the tough love that you guys showed me was not tough on me. In that moment, you invited me to do a fourth step, which was a fearless moral inventory. And, uh, but the tough love was you guys choosing to show up even in my passive aggressive push Mm -hmm. away. Um, which if you're oblivious to it, maybe it wasn't as hard as I thought it was, but still you had to make some choices to, Go out on a limb. I would call it persistence or like a combination of persistence and resilience, like something that we saw that was possible with the relationship because we obviously had something to learn and gain from you. And 
the persistence and resilience to stay in it and think about how we could continue to cultivate that. And one of the ways that we know how to do that is through that depth of inventory. And the way that that brought us together, because we not only said, you should do this, Steve, we said, we will do this with you. And that took it to a new level to, to all three of us share in a fourth step. God, I wish I could go back in time to that moment. I still get chills thinking about it. I, I, I said no initially to the fourth step and then came back around, worked through it. And I remember sitting down and it's not normal for a, a sponsee to, to prepare a fourth step and give it and, and, uh, with a sponsor, correct? Like it, it doesn't happen both at the same time usually. Did that make sense? It's not a two-way street, nor is it a three-way street normally. Right. And so you guys were really uh, preparing the table for me to feel comfortable. Mm. Um, that was the plan. It was really amazing. I don't know that I would have gone through with it if you hadn't gone that extra thousand miles mm. to make it okay. Well, I think like without us knowing that, that was setting the stage for steel on steel stuff. Um, because that does have that same element of a mini version of that kind of inventory. Absolutely. Uh, and I, in some ways in an even more powerful way, um, because it's not a moment in time, it's moments in time Mm. and it's not such a one way street as to just read from an inventory as it is to get a response from what's happening. Um, so there's, there's a lot of value in the steel and steel methodology. Uh, and certainly without the foundations of it, we never, the three of us never would have come as close as we are today. Since sitting in a room recording a podcast. Yeah. And, And especially in the way that like, we know each other well enough to know when we're not here, Mm -hmm. not physically, Mm -hmm. but I can look at Steve and Mm -hmm. know when something's up more than most people. And Steve's fairly good at hiding those things. And the same is true for Ryan, though Ryan generally never is very upset. (laughs) Yeah, Ryan's the beautiful (laughs) spirit between the three of us. (laughs) Absolutely. Or I'm even the better at hiding it. Oh! (laughs) Peel a layer back. The word of the day for Ryan is surreptitious. (laughs) Yesterday, or was that Wednesday? Yeah. It was Wednesday. Wednesday's word, surreptitious, serpent-like, snake-like. Oh, cheers, cheers to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, in mixing the 12 steps with uh, friendship, uh, with a little bit of spirituality, uh, really creates a dynamic um, way to go through life. And so we have a couple of friends who have picked up Steel on Steel, this AA discipline of meeting together. And it's kind of a, a, a group format, and, and we're toying with it and working with it. And so maybe we can kind of talk through really what you guys are bringing into it, Ryan and Charlie, more than anything. You brought me into it, and I've been practicing it for, I think, about seven months with a few guys. But um, kind of what's the general idea of Steel and Steel? Well, if I can first back up and I say you would. Uh, mm-hmm. it isn't an AA tradition, it's a Christian tradition that AA adopted and co-opted uh, and then now is being uh, 
kind of brought back. Taylor yeah, washed it up and <laughs> bringing it back to the church. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's part of a more contemplative exercise that has fallen out of our exposure in the Christian traditions, um, but is more of a, like, as we saw in a Jesuit silent retreat, there are elements of these kinds of uh, exploratory questions and even depth-seeking that were in Christian traditions or Catholic traditions that we just didn't know about. And so bringing that steel on steel from uh, Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Mm. And that's really the whole philosophy at a high level is this, uh, we are only as good as we allow ourselves to be. And when I sit down with Steve or Ryan or my Steel on Steel group, like they make me better or they try to make me better. Uh, and there's a whole way that this thing works. And I know hopefully some of the people that listen to this are in groups right now uh, and they might have some questions and, and we want to sort of dive into what some of those might be. Uh, and I think we're really just going to talk about a couple of, of things. Um, but certainly if anyone out there in the listenership has more questions about steel on steel, I'd encourage you to reach out. Um, I bet we can attach the document that we made and make that available. Put it in the show notes. Would you talk through why is it important to read this out loud at the beginning of the meeting? Mm. You go. And what are we reading out loud? So there's some writing in the very beginning uh, in the format, which covers really what we're doing. Uh, and then it also has some prayers in it, and it begins with a 10-minute meditation. And the reason for all that is to be grounded in what it is that we're doing. Uh, it's to first read the statement, to know what Steel on Steel is, why we're gathered. It's to read the prayer, to ground yourself and invite God to the room. And then it's to pause for 10 minutes of silent meditation to listen for what God might say. And when you do that, it's hard to make anything in Steel on Steel about you, uh, in such a way as to limit the purpose of that group. Uh, and so it has to be read every time. Uh, otherwise, a guy like me can really just want to hear his own voice. and Or a guy like me can want to lie about what's really going on. Or maybe not lie directly, but be less truthful. I've noticed in my practice, it's, it's hard uh, when you don't read it aloud, because I'll be honest, we don't read aloud every time. And I think it's a good practice to, uh, we do the third step prayer, but I think in reading it aloud every time, it does reorient to as much as this is going to suck to go through some of this, my own sharing that I'm headed into, it's kind of nice to be able to be verbose on a response to someone to make myself feel better mm. um, about you know the, the stuff that I might be bringing. And it's almost like this balancing of, I got to show that I have a shadow side, but look at my light. It's really bright. And you know... And that's just a manipulation. And if you're joining a steel and steel group for self-improvement or a better relationship with God, you're not going to find it there. It's not going to happen. You it, might just an element of hiding. Like it's but, an element of just hiding from that face. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, have you said, here I am yet? Mm. Have you arrived? Like, are you ready to bear your soul to those around you and to God? And if the answer is no, then you're probably going to do what Steve just suggested, which is to say just a little bit, just enough to make people think that you're vulnerable, 
and then pounce on any opportunity to be seen as a savior. And the reality for me is that when my behavior looks like that, it's me acting on a defective character, which is a survival mechanism that I've been using for my whole life. And left to those devices, I'm going to get the same results I've always gotten. And there's another way. And we're saying the group is strong enough to hold us letting go of that. Right? More than and, strong and, enough. And yeah, we can hold each other's inconsistencies. Yeah, I would say that there is an element of the way that the group is initiated with not just that um, reading in the prayer, but also that silence. Like that, I would say the varieties of practices, how I've shown up in that silence when I've been um, authentically focusing on breath and listening uh, in the meditative aspect, I would say that that has contributed to not just how I show up for what I share, but I think one of the really interesting elements is how I would show up to listen to others well. And like that is one of the most interesting parts to me of the group is that we show up to listen and to not say what I want to say about how I would correct your actions, but what I hear the underlying spirit of your words are. And there, through that comes a different message. And the, the ability to, to, I don't want to say channel it, but it's more or less hear it um, through that space that's created by silence Mm -hmm. and breath and the, conversation that happens in that 10 minutes of silence inside and I would argue with God is what sets the narrative tone for that time together. So Ryan you're you're pointing to you read through this reorientation and then to begin the meeting and then right after that there's this 10 minutes of quiet which is hard to do with a group of guys um, or anybody. It's just hard to do in a group. Uh, 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 silence. And it's that's a discipline. That re- yeah, absolutely. And that's the reorienting where you pick up this other conversation, mm-hmm. start listening deeper. I love the 10 minutes. It's honestly of my favorite part. <laughs> you give me 10 minutes at home and I'm going to struggle. I'm going to, my thoughts are going to run all over the place. I'll be preparing speeches for when I'm the president. Uh, I'll be, you know, firing people as some big executive. I'll imagine all sorts of things and I won't be able to quiet my brain down. But you put me in my steel and steel group for 10 minutes and that buzzer goes off and I want 10 more. I don't know what it is about that space and that Mm. group. Um, I think it's a certain feeling of safety that's been cultivated over time. And then the act of just community seeking together. I resonate with that safety. I'm, I'm feeling that as well. Yeah, absolutely. From the silence, uh, we go into this rhythm of 10 minutes. Uh, guy shares, interrupt, uninterrupted, about a kind of an inventory, uh, kind of a thing. And it's extensive. Would you suggest that someone tries to get through the entire inventory, hit every line on that every 10 minutes? Uh, how, how does one approach that piece? So... Uh, You'll get as far as you're supposed to get, is mm. the message that I'd, I'd want to say. Um, there's, if you're anything like me, I'm tricky. And if there's a question at the bottom, namely maybe one about sex, mm. which I know falls at the bottom, I might dawdle. 
Okay. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or just slow myself down because I don't want to get to that point. Uh, and, and if you catch yourself doing that, you know, obviously it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you might not be well, you know, and that you might need to get to that spot, whatever yeah. is irking you. Yeah. And, and I've had that experience with different things on the list uh, is that I've come to him and I've, I've lied or I've bent the truth uh, for weeks at a time with my, with my group and, and finally been like, all right, I'm doing it. And sometimes yeah. that's, I think for me, what it takes is I might read that question a number of times and lie about it. And then finally in the presence of those men say, okay, here it is. And the results that I've gotten from that each time it's happened have been immense. If you guys could see Charlie's face, it's glowing. Like Mm. the truth of that is so evident where when you finally decide to out that and pay attention to that question, which I have to commend you, like even if it takes you a couple weeks, at least you're reading that question. Whereas if you're not in the group at all, you're not even wondering if that is an issue for you. Or, right. And by issue, like hurting you. Uh, to your point, Char, these are pains. You'd yeah. never see that question face to face. Yeah. And like there's a way that saying it aloud in the group, and if you choose to dance around the, the true answer, you are going to feel the effects of that mm-hmm. way more visibly than if you could avoid the question altogether and so like the the dance around process i feel like is that hiding and is part of that uh i would almost characterize it as false vulnerability that that you were describing as like there is this culture of vulnerability that now seems to have come out of um more introspection and like a, a characteristic of humility and vulnerability that seems to be uh, encouraged. But if we don't truly understand what that looks like and understand that that is like a fully naked and unashamed kind of vulnerability, then we won't really get there. We'll still be sowing our fig leaves and still be having elements of uh, trying to hide behind a tree that really is not sufficient. We're working with a term that maybe we can bring up right now mm. uh, in, in, in reference to that clean feeling of, of running on what our executive producer, Andrew, and I call clean energy. Mm. But when you make that decision of going all in, we call that? Tove mode. Tove mode. Go full tove mode. Tove mode, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's this idea of believing that um, if, if, if you go that next step and go all the way in is where the good stuff happens. I want to say two things. One, it's funny that we call Andrew our executive producer because it does imply that there are other producers, which of course there are not, but you are our EP. Uh, two, uh, and this is in the line of Tove mode and relates to my steel and steel experience. Uh, and so there's this thing in, in the steel and steel that some of our listeners might not fully understand. And it asks the question, uh, how many times since we last met did you participate in evening and morning review and meditation? Yeah. And, and that's a principle in AA of the 11th step where we take an inventory each and every night and we ask ourselves a few basic questions 
uh, <clears throat> and answer them and write, write those answers down. Uh, and in that process, we find out things about ourselves. Um, and there's some really great questions. So it would be page 86 and 87. Page 86 and 87. And I'm just going to read some of them right now. Um, were we resentful? And this is about the day we just had. Were we resentful? And I think it's not going to let me read the other ones. Was I selfish? Isn't that one of them? Yeah. Where were we resentful? Selfish. Uh, Ryan's going to have to pull it up, I guess, because I thought I could pull it up on my phone in time, but I could not. But the, the practice is basically uh, take inventory of your day. Uh, and one of the crazy questions at the end is, was I thinking of myself most of the time or was I thinking of others of what I could contribute to life? Okay. Now, I don't think once in my time on this earth, I could answer that last question satisfactorily to say yes for an entire day that I was awake, <laughs> I was focused on what I could contribute to life, what I could do for others all day. I haven't, I haven't been able to answer yes to that. Uh, and that's okay. You how, know, do you, how do you not feel like a complete failure then? Why, why do you keep asking yourself that question every night? Because that is the perfect ideal toward which I need to point. Yeah. And it's okay if I fall short of it. It's okay. If you miss the mark, you are still returning at this every time that you look at this every night. And ideally, exactly. and I have the questions. So, oh, yeah, go for it, right? When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we, re were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? Boom. Tove yeah. mode. Full tove, tove mode. mode. And this is, I just want to finish my thought. Uh, and so that is the evening review. And in the morning, you use that review to help plan your day. You ask for the things that you need from God to go through your day better than the day before. Uh, <clears throat> and true, actual, in life, uh, that has been a sticking point for this guy, me. Okay. Uh, and in Steel on Steel, every time I would get to there, I'd be like, I did five, and most of the time that was a lie, a stretch of the truth. Mm -hmm. you know, so we, wouldn't, we met every two weeks, and I I've did five. Um, <laughs> it's a good round number. That's enough, but I tried, but I you know, didn't. <laughs> Fell short of like, the full goal. It's a total failing grade, though, if you think about it. Uh, and then, you know, the way that Steel and Steel works is, is you do your 10 minutes, you go through, and then there's everybody goes around and gives you considerations. And the considerations aren't meant for you to say, uh, have feedback right away. So if Ryan says, consider that you're a dick, uh, I, I, go, I don't go, hey, man, that's not very nice. I say, okay. Thank That's you. my only response is to say, okay, thank you. And my job then is to take those considerations into prayer and meditation and, and find out if they're true and if there's something that I if should do. If I realize that's going to be your response, I'm going to be much more careful about saying anything. Because if I know that we don't get to dialogue to see if I'm right about something, I'm going to be much more careful to, to say things that mm. are loving and caring um, because it won't be discussion. And that's going to be hard for me to watch you take that down, write that in your notebook, and then say thank you, and then that's it. Like, that's kind of scary. Yeah. 
And so here's what happened. We would go through my list, and my dear friends, every time to the problems, would say, consider that you're not doing a nightly inventory on a regular basis. Consider that you're not doing a morning meditation on a regular basis, and that that might be causing X problem or Y problem. And so at some point, I decided to go full Tove mode. There you go. Toved out. <laughs> Toved out. Uh, and I did an evening review every single night for probably two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Every single night. And what happened was amazing. Amazing. I had insights into myself that I had no idea. When I started doing the evening review, answering myself those questions, it was hard. Like, I, I wasn't sure about the answers. And by the end of that two and a half month period, Man, I knew when I had been resentful. I would experience a moment during the day, and I would say, "Okay, that's got to go on the review." <laughs> uh, and it, it was just beautiful, yeah. Like level of self awareness that I'm not really generally capable of. And to use the review to plan your day ahead creates this element of like I am entering into this day with seeing where I fell short yesterday, but fully just in a fact-finding, fact-facing way, not in a judgmental way of like, oh, I suck, I did that poorly yesterday, but here's where I want to improve. Here's where I see the ways I could show up better today. Here's where I could pack into the stream of life. And that way brings forth what I, I mean, I'm curious to see how we could actually recognize this is bringing forth Tove. Like the things that prohibited us from seeing that and experiencing that is holding back our tov. Uh, and then to look at these, to look at these ways that we could show up better is the ways that we bring forth more life into our day and by proxy and by actual um, intention, the service towards others. And how could I be of use? How could I be helpful? Where are the ways to be generative i really like this idea of of the morning inventory um you know it's like give us today our daily bread Mm. we never knew we could actually ask for a certain specific kind of bread Mm -hmm. meaning you know what was i lacking yesterday and i actually kind of need a couple flavors for today um that's that gets pretty exciting to think that you could actually kind of but this is this you know this sort of rigorousness is really just for uh, alcoholics, right? No. It's only applicable for alcohol. I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> we have a disagreement at the table. <laughs> Good. Because what we believe is that we're all addicts. Um, let's talk about that. Because I think, you know, when you and I met, when, when, when we met each other, I didn't think of myself as an addict at all. Um, I thought I had some inconsistencies. Hmm. Yeah, you totally did. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> you know, I, I, I would totally agree, Steve. I mean, I think different kinds of addicts have different kinds of consequences, but the first and most chief among them is a spiritual death. Uh, and what that looks like for me is a total lack of meaning in any way, shape, or form, um, a total emptiness of soul. Uh, and that, that can be true for someone who can't stop drinking once they start, and it can be true for someone who doesn't have that same affliction. And it could be anything else. But whatever's stopping that 
conversation inside. Well, whatever becomes a symptom of mm-hmm. that spiritual hole in the self, in the soul, like reflects itself in many, many different ways. The most damaging of ways that we see outside of, uh, well, I shouldn't say the most, but one of the most is when people drink uncontrollably, that affects other people very visibly and people can see right through that. There are many other ways to hide that kind of spiritual sickness. And if we were to remove the language of alcohol from the inventory type style stuff we've been talking about, we really can see that it is everybody who could benefit from these kinds of questions because the reality is we know we all fall short of an ideal, um, if we're honest. And I think the consequences of an alcoholic are that those consequences just become so unbearable that they're willing to go to the length of doing the work. And the question of that has come to our mind several times is like, are the consequences great enough for other people to do that work? And so there's this renowned psychologist, Dr. Carl Jung, uh, and he defines, and we're coming to you next, Nathan, so get ready. He, he defines really the problem of the alcoholic, and I would propose the problem with the addicts that we're talking about, the addicts among us, all of us. Um, the, the, the chief problem of the alcoholic and the addict is disunity with self, disunity with others, disunity with God. Come on, there it is, right it there. It is total isolation. Separation. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. And the only way to rectify myself is unity, is to become part of, which is why Steel on Steel is so important, which is why this group, me, Steve, Ryan, has been so instrumental. It's why you know having a wife that I share with has been so instrumental. How do you share your wife? Sorry? Not with you. Oh. <laughs> that might be cool. No, okay, <laughs> not, going, not going there. Uh, and so that brings us to you, Nathan. Hey, brother. The, mm. the question that you stated earlier and how you... I think you should just dive in. How are, yeah, how, are, how do you see addiction? And, and say a little bit about where you're from, maybe. I don't know. Um, sure. Um, well, part of where I'm from is actually being deeply informed by uh, a Jungian framework. So mm. uh, when I began college, I had an existential breakdown within about a week of school and I decided I had to just scrap everything and just take the courses as if I was like 50 or 60 years old going back to school and the first class I chose to take was the religious self according to Carl Jung and that just totally shifted my entire life trajectory Um, in a beautiful way Um, if I can just interrupt my Carl Jung reference was not scripted, and I did not know that about yeah, Nathan. I didn't know that either. Super cool. Yeah, he has been uh, an, an incredible uh, influence on my life. Um, and yeah, really just kind of shifted the train tracks uh, mm. in a totally different direction. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, what was the other questions? 
Well, and then we were talking about addiction and there's this drive in us to have whatever we want and have a lot of it uh, to go full on. And that's, and that's where it kills us. But you were thinking maybe that drive still gets to live inside of us. I mean, one, one of the things that I remember from, from some of my explorations into Jung was him discussing uh, addiction and discussing that the turn towards spirits or alcohol in an unhealthy way is really driven by the lack of spirit uh, in somebody's life. Hmm. And recently I've begun sort of thinking about this and tracing this through um, some sacred literature um, about kind of this like inherent yeah drive for and, and need for spirit um, that gets described at least in the Abrahamic contemplative traditions that I'm familiar with very much using sort of addiction and intoxication kinds of language um, so it's, it seems as if, according to these traditions, that we're sort of hardwired for this addiction and kind of addicted relationship to the divine. And if we're not getting that, we'll seek unhealthy alternatives. Mm. That resonates so deep with me. Um, I think maybe once in my life I've come close to, to wondering, am I is this the hunger for God that's spoken of in, in the scripture? Because there is that sense of every once in a while, you're almost lost to this hunger. And <clears throat> I think for me, one of my biggest struggles today and 10 years ago and the 10 years before that is this idea of uh, self-reliance, which I think speaks so profoundly to what Nathan just said, which is I think that I can rely on myself for things that, evidence would suggest I cannot. And by that, mm -hmm. I mean, I've failed time and time and time again. In those times when I've trusted and relied completely on God, I've succeeded. Um, and I continue to go back to self-reliance and I continue to fail and then I continue to go back to God and I continue to succeed. And it's yeah. just the cycle of my life. Uh, but I think it speaks profoundly into what Nathan just said, which is if I hunger for God in the same way that I hunger for my own self-reliance, Nothing can stop me as long as, and I, and I think to come full circle, that, that's tov mode. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, who am I reliant upon? Tov mode. I'd be curious, Nathan, if, at, if, if, you, if you saw the practices and exercises in this uh, steel on steel as a way t to cultivate a type of tov mode, if we will. Um, like in the Hebrew text, it's talking about um, as iron sharpens iron, the, I forgot the phrase that we found, but it also referenced panim uh, and the countenance is used in King James. But mm -hmm. this idea yeah. of, of really coming together face to face and that having a ton of significance and references to the type of relationship that God desires for us. Ooh. Thoughts? Face-to-face um, -face is an incredibly deep river vein running through the text, as, as I've 
as, as I read the text and as I've been um, appointed to, to read and to see the text, um, to me, one of the dimensions of face-to-face is something that gets referred to in some kind of contemporary scientific literature as positive feedback loops. And that's the idea that if you... It's basically the idea of um, the best example that I've heard for a positive feedback loop or the one that is sticks the most is actually a microphone being pointed into a speaker. And that if, if the microphone picks up ambient noise, it will go into the microphone, into the speaker, back into the microphone, back into the speaker, and all of a sudden you'll have this like sort of exponential like da-da-da-da, and then the super loud noise. And so that's what's called a positive feedback loop. But it can be both positive or it can have negative repercussions in your life. So I think we've all had experiences of negative uh, impulses or influences from our environment or from other people that then very quickly get us into these sort of like spiraling down um, kinds of patterns. Similarly, and I think this is really where the positive potential comes in, being face-to-face with other people um, or with the divine in some capacity really stimulates this kind of exponential growth in a positive direction. Um, so that's, that's one of the dimensions of face-to-face that recently has been really putting me in Tove mode. Would, oh, yeah, there we go. Hello. There we go. I think this is such a beautiful way to come full circle which is that this, this episode is about friendship. Yeah. And how friendships are formed are not sitting around eating pizza and watching TV. Uh, that can be an element of friendship, but true companionship, true accountability to other people comes from sitting face-to-face and doing things like steel-on-steel. And maybe it's not steel-on-steel directly, but it's being real. Uh, and, I mean, certainly... I love sitting down and doing nothing much with Steve and Ryan. Uh, But that's balanced in our relationship by an earnest need to seek God and seek each other. Uh, And it's the only way that we've come to love each other as deeply as we do. And for me, that's a real recipe for friendship. It's, it's, it is the formula is, is this kind of work. I, I absolutely agree, Chard. Thanks for saying that. Uh, I, I, I have an intention to point my face like a microphone at what I want to pick up much, much more intentionally. I feel like the way to bring this full circle is the priestly blessing that has the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you shalom. And that has an element of, of really recognizing that when we are in relationship like this, that is what we get to reflect to others. We get to be that face-to-face relationship when it is so hard to, con- to, to think of that idea of how do we do this with God? Well, we start with these face-to-face relationships and get to the depth where if we can find the naked and unashamed exposure to each other, we will cultivate that relationship. And it'll look, the, the, a 
us to you, me to me, you to you, and then up and down. Six dimensions. All of them. Mm. Tove mode. Tove mode. Tove mode. Tove mode. <laughs> Nathan, thanks for hanging out. Love you, brother. It's been such a pleasure. I'm super happy, happy you're here for this. this morning. It's been really amazing. Can Andrew, we, uh, I think we're done. Can we, it, guys. can we end with an ohm? Yeah. A tow, a tow of ohm? Yeah. Um, Wait for it. Breathe everything oh, out. Oh, Charlie did it wrong. Take a big breath in. Tow of ohm.